0: everybody everybody everybody
1: drop your buff your
2: Welcome back to Drop your Buffs I'm Sean Ross.
1: I am Evan
3: Roskatz.
2: And we are talking about Survivor Season 41, Episode 6, Ready to Play Like a Lion. A historic episode in many senses. We have nobody going home this week. We have, I guess it's the first of a two-parter episode, but they forgot to ask for a two-hour time slot this week, so we are getting it spread over two weeks we are. I personally found this a trying episode. Evan, what are your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I'm aligned. You know, I was a little worried as I was thinking about this morning because in thinking about some of the feedback about my general tone on the show, I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to make a great effort today to, you know, try and find the good, right? That's kind of some of our, our unspoken sort of like, you know, lens on the show. Mm-hmm. But, uh... I'm struggling with this episode. This was definitely, uh, if Advantage Get-In from Game Changers was seen as sort of like, you know, a possible jumping of the shark moment, I think this would be a competitor for a similar title.
2: Yeah. uh, I'm pretty concerned about uh, a few things that are going on. And like you, I'm trying to find a silver lining. I think I've found some positives in this episode that I will try to highlight over the course of this podcast but i have to say with this big merge twist where erica is given the power to reverse uh, int- the entire uh, ev- events and course of what happened over this episode uh, i just feel like uh, it's it's sort of counter to what survivor is supposed to be all about and that is winning uh, and so it's it's just a little tricky. You know, I, I have to mention again, the Mike White rule of asking yourself, that. is this fun, right? And I have to say... Oh, well, that was not fun.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get our soundboard up and going mm, here.
3: Yes. That uh, was yeah, not no, fun. I mean, that was not fun. We're totally aligned there. Yeah, I... I uh, it, it was challenging. I think one redeeming quality of the episode was it was very, maybe, there were, maybe gratifying. I'm not sure. There, there was something cathartic, I should say, about seeing some of our faves finally in the game together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the interactions that, for instance, just like getting to see... Sydney, meet someone like Shan. There were all of these sort of like worlds that felt like they were colliding all of a sudden in an exciting way. And so that was my rose amidst a thorny garden.
2: Yeah. So let's get into our recap then. The episode opens on Ua, we're getting some night shots. We're actually not getting a whole lot of night shots uh, from this season, but we are getting them from Ua. And I really appreciate seeing what happens right after a vote. So we see Ricard and Shan talking about the vote, but it quickly, uh, it quickly becomes a little spat. Once again, the girls are still fighting over the extra vote that Shan gave to Ricard to hold. And Ricard says he's concerned that they're going to be going into a merge and that he's got no protection and that Shan has all of the power in terms of advantages because, of course, she has the three-way idol uh, from the Ua camp and she will have the extra vote if Ricard gives it back to her. And so they have this like kind of uncomfortable exchange, and then we see that the next morning, Shan goes up to Ricard and says, I am once again asking for my vote back, and they have a little bit of a back and forth about it before Ricard finally like tosses this crumpled up vote into Shan's hand. What do you think this is setting us up for? Do you think that Ricard and Shan are going into the merge on too rocky of a footing and that one of them could be turning on the other?
3: No, I think that we were led to believe that. But no, I think that credit to both of them. I think that they were engaging in really healthy dialogue, which is to say, like, I'm feeling a certain kind of way and I'm going to express it directly to you, to your face with the kind of energy that I'm feeling rather than go in the confessional and be like, I'm actually really pissed. You got Ricard being really pissed to Shan and Shan reacting in the way that of someone coming at her with some vitriol. And so my sense was that I felt like they got it out of them and worked through it and would be stronger for it. I also just don't think from a gameplay perspective, it's smart of a two-person tribe to go into a a three-tribe merge and splinter. I just don't think that's advantageous from the sense of they're each one vote. So... I just like, do I think that they are necessarily like as rock solid as we have seen them in the game so far? No, but I don't think that they're going to be forced to be in a situation in which they'd have to turn on one another for many more votes.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that they clearly work well together because they jive and they have uh, qualities that complement one another's gameplay. And it doesn't seem like an alliance based on necessity. It seems like an alliance that's based on something a little bit deeper. And so I think that we will hopefully see them work together. I think this twist could really screw them up, though. And we can get to that a little bit later. So we see all of the tribes get some tree mail hinting at Emerge. Over at the Yellow Yasa camp, we see Xander speculate that the Yasa 4 could go to the end together. But we also see Liana give a confessional saying, like, we're putting on a, a strong face for Xander to make him feel comfortable. But Liana says, I am in a perfect position to flip the script on him. And that would be because she has this new advantage where she can take an idol or advan- or, or extra vote Uh, from somebody at Tribal Council. So I think that that's what she's hinting at there. And over at Luvu, Nasir uh, has a similar sentiment to Xander where he says, we've got six people here. We've got the numbers. We can be the final six. Uh, I think that what we've seen from Luvu so far shows us that they do not have a strong final six. And I think Sydney echoes this in her confessional where... She speculates once again who might be jealous of her in the world. And she says that the other tribes would be jealous of having this uh, huge potential voting block of six people going into the merge. So we go to a challenge. Jeff is sporting a wet hair look. He must be hot. Again, they are on the hottest Hottest place on earth, allegedly. So Jeff is explaining to the audience, we get a little breaking the fourth wall moment here, our first in a while. And he is so
3: uh, and- excited to be changing it up. He, You would think that he just discovered gold on this island and he is filling us in.
2: Yes. And so he's talking to the camera. We also get this cool shot, I thought, of a, a profile shot of him talking to the camera. And you can see, I think, luvu walking into the challenge arena. And I sort of think this served two purposes. One was to show us a little bit of the behind the scenes, but also to establish that this is actually happening when they're telling us it's happening, because he's starting to fill us in on the merge twist without giving us details. But he is telling us the detail that somebody's going to go be exiled and be given an unprecedented power. And I feel like they may have done this because they don't want people to claim that it was rigging to go and give Erica this power after the fact, Uh, similar to sort of the criticism they got for the final four fire-making challenge, which was uh, surprisingly thrust upon us in HVHVH. So the players come into the challenge arena and Jeff tells them, to drop their buffs and he says that they're in the individual portion of the game but that they are not merged yet they are simply without buff they have to earn their way into the merge by competing in this challenge and so this is where it starts to get a little complicated and i'm going to try to synthesize it they draw rocks to randomly be sorted into two teams. This is not unusual. We see post-merge uh, challenges played in teams very often. Uh, so they will all be sorted into two teams, except two people will not be sorted into teams. They will sit on the sidelines and not participate in the challenge. So the teams will compete in, and the winning team will automatically be immune at the next tribal and receive a merge feast. And they will get buffs. The losing team will compete in an immunity challenge uh, ahead of the next tribal council, and the losers of that immunity challenge will all be vulnerable at tribal council. But everybody will vote at the next tribal council. So basically, we have a situation where the first post-merge tribal will have, I guess, five people vulnerable to the votes, but everybody voting.
3: Four, because one of them would have win- one of them will go on to win immunity at the individual immunity challenge.
2: But there's six on
3: each. I thought there was five on each because Nasir and, and Erica sit out.
2: So there's five playing and then Erica and Nasir get sorted into those teams. And then there's six on each team. Cause there's 12 people. Oh, left. So
3: Erica, so Erica goes into the six that are eligible to be voted out.
2: At this point, Erica joins the losing team.
3: Okay. I believe. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, this is, yeah, this is why it's so confusing. But
3: wait, but if she's on that island for two days and two nights, you're saying that they're going to go two days and two nights on a uh, 26-day season without a challenge?
2: I believe so, because in the next time on Survivor, we see her back about to announce the decision of Mm. her power.
3: But if she can flip the, uh, it doesn't make sense. If she has the ability to flip it so that the winning team, then she could choose to be on the winning team.
2: Exactly, that's why the twist it doesn't make any sense Got it, okay. because it's a no brainer okay. because obviously she's going to pick to be safe. So,
3: so you were right. I'm sorry, I was giving misinformation. So, that so it will be five people of the six that are in contention for going home. Yeah, okay. That's
2: my understanding. Got it. We can get more into that when we talk about Erica at Exile. So. Essentially, what happens is they get divided into a yellow team, which consists of Heather, Xander, Liana, Shan, and Tiffany, and then a blue team, which consists of Danny, Ricard, Sydney, Deshaun, and Evie, which is a stacked team in terms of physical prowess. And then we have Erica and Nasir sitting out. So they play the challenge. Uh, we-
3: well, can we talk about the challenge?
2: We can talk about the challenge. I wasn't going to talk about the challenge, but if you'd like to. Well, there are
3: just two things I wanted to bring up. One, I loved the challenge. I thought it was a really complex challenge that was very physical. But as you see with both tribes, it's very much possible for everyone to do it. It's just a matter of like who's quicker. But I liked all the various components, and I liked how team-oriented it was, how it really Mm. required everyone to work in unison. So that was a thumbs up. I do think it's worth noting that my understanding of Survivor being a show for kids, increasingly so, became very clear during Jeff's narration of this challenge when we saw, once again, Jeff is really leaning into narrating the idea that to try is to succeed. And so you had hmm. so many moments with the losing tribe where Jeff was like, he would go over and he's like, you're in it! Like, and obviously he's done that before, but like the amount of times he was uplifting the losing tribe when it was quite inevitable that they were losing from the outset. Um, also because the fact that the winning tribe, as soon as they got to the puzzle, they figured out that one of the words was merge and so, it was just a matter of them getting there. It wasn't a matter of them figuring out the puzzle. Anyway, I just was – the amount of times I noticed Jeff sort of uh, – that enthusiasm for effort alone I think is a unique thing that has changed about the show, and I just was thinking how much this is him signaling to these young viewers that it's like, no matter what you do, you don't give up, which I just don't think – to. Giving up in the challenge doesn't really matter if you know you're going to lose. I understand the there are people out there that say you know you start something you got to finish it. If you're of that mindset, fine. But there's a world in which it's like they weren't going to win it. They could have given up and like nothing would have changed as a result. So I just thought it was I was, thought it was very pronounced Jeff's uh, sort of POV towards how he sees the show right now.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I thought that the challenge was fun. And I think part of that fun was uh, Jeff not, you know, berating these people who are not doing so well. I mean, you had that moment where Heather was trying to get up onto the final platform and was really struggling. And Jeff was standing there really encouraging her once again, uh, where I think in the past he would be talking about how much of a failure they were and, uh, you know, that she's pulling them down.
3: Yes, counterpoint, or, or, or a, yes and, is there a world in which it becomes a little patronizing? That it's swung so far in the other direction mm-hmm. that he's so complimentary of a woman like Heather being able to get up the wall, and, and so over the top in his uh, expression of that, that it actually goes too far. I think that that, I'm, I'm not saying that is the case, but I'm saying I think it's worth pondering that maybe there's a middle ground here where his over-enthusiasm for someone like Heather doing the thing that everyone else is doing ends up actually not reading the way he intends it to read and it ends up coming off, as I said, patronizing.
2: Yeah. I could see that. It's not something that I'm going to hang on to because I think like this is better than the alternative. Right. Uh, but he was, he was so enthusiastic that when he was standing there encouraging her, I was like, Jeff, like help her.
3: Yeah. Do you remember that one <laughs> moment early on when they were tr- first trying to get the ball out and he was like, this is one of those moments where you, you gotta dig deep. He did that thing with his voice. Do you know what I'm talking about?
2: <laughs> he did, yeah, I know exactly. I was what you like, mean.
3: Jeff, you need to go I was like, you need to go sit down for a moment and take a deep breath. I was like, it's yeah. just his 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 energy this episode. And like, you know, we like Jeff, but and, and he didn't do anything wrong. And like you said, it's like more it's like he's doing a better job of narrating than he's done in the past, but I don't know. I couldn't help but be like, I I need the energy level calibrated a bit more to what's going on.
2: I feel like his possession by Survivor Man Jeff, his alter ego, yes. is it's taking over. Yes. It's taking over. Uh, one fun moment I want to point out from the challenge, which is one of my silver linings, was watching Erica and Nasir on the bench. Sort of like cheering for these oh teams God. but not having a team to cheer for because they hadn't like it's not like they had placed their bets on a team or something like that, which which would have been interesting. Uh, to say like each of you gets to cheer on a specific team and you will join that team and you share in their victory or their loss. But we had this great moment. Evie. Good I job, Evie.
5: Good job. Abby.
4: Abby? Abby. Good nice job Abby. Abby. Comedy gold.
2: <laughs> really cute. Uh that Nasir sort of like made this mistake, corrected himself, and Erica, as a, a an apprentice cheerleader of Heather's, was able to show Nasir the ropes in terms of cheering on teams in a challenge.
3: One other notable thing, I think, about this very convoluted, uh, you know, twist of a twist of a twist, I thought it was interesting that they chose rocks rather than doing a schoolyard pick, um, just because... I, yeah, I just think that was an interesting choice. I think it would have been interesting to see if they had gone the other way and it would have been the two physically weakest players that were put out. But then all of a sudden sort of then had this advantage that they didn't know about in the case of what happens with Erica. I think that mm-hmm. could have been really interesting because you could have been like, yeah, oh, so like. We probably, yeah, so
2: we probably would have seen Erica and Heather sit out again. Right. Uh, and it would have been interesting. Actually, I think there is a world in which that uh, could have been a really interesting mix-up because it would have been interesting to have split up Shannon and Ricard and have them schoolyard pick for their teams. Although I think that would also be super unfair to Shannon and Ricard. Although they did get split up, uh, I would prefer them to get split up randomly than as a choice that production made. Right. Because I think on paper, they're the most vulnerable being... Uh, only two people from a decimated tribe. Mm-hmm. So the blue team, unsurprisingly, wins the challenge, and they are told to choose one of Nasir or Erica to join their team uh, and send the others to Exile Island. So one of Nasir or Erica to join in the merch feast, join in their immunity at the next Tribal Council, uh, and the other. As they understand, we'll get nothing except two nights and two days alone. And so we get this moment where Danny sort of says, we played rock, paper, scissors, and Nasir won. Uh, I didn't see them play rock, paper, scissors.
3: I had that same thought. I was like, this just seems strange because A, that's so, basically, he's implicating half of the players in his lie, um, which they might not be so down for. And then also, everyone else is standing there watching them, waiting for their decision. So, yeah, did they play the game and then bake the results? Also, were they all told, if they did play the game, which, again, as you mentioned, we didn't see, were they all told in advance, no matter the result, it's Nasir? But, like, also, mm-hmm. again, isn't everyone watching and, like, going to see the results? Like, they're, it's mm-hmm. pretty quiet over there, like... I don't
2: know. Yeah. So we have a voicemail about this and I want to play it.
0: Hey, um, just wanted to say I love your podcast and thoughts on tonight's episode. I was really confused by Danny today. Um, He had seemed like a good guy, but then all of a sudden his sort of rationale of explaining away the like fear of the women's alliance against the men as we used the rock, paper, scissors... First of all, if that wasn't what you did, and you, like, your your whole motivation was, like, we want to have a woman be vulnerable, there were four other people in that decision with you that know you didn't play rock, paper, scissors. And it's not, like, a mental thing. It's, like, an actual physical thing you have to do. So there's seven other people watching you, and Jeff says, you have this big decision to make. They're not going to, like, look the other way, and you don't have another room to go into They're watching you, and they see you did not play rock, paper, scissors. So it's very confusing to me why he said that. Um... But also it sort of gives Erica like a good reason for explaining why, like if she smashes this.
2: So he got cut off, unfortunately. But yeah, (laughs) I totally agree with the sentiment. I thought it was a very confusing decision. And considering that we had uh, Evie... and Ricard in this group, who are outside of this Luvu alliance, as we understand it, of Danny, Sydney, and Deshaun, who want Erica to be vulnerable, presumably, uh, I just want to know what their view on the pick was, and we didn't really get that.
3: I also just think I, I totally agree that there was something going on with Danny in this episode that we hadn't seen before, partially because we haven't seen Danny at all before, um for the most part. But I do think it's worth noting how strange it was with this assumption of the women's Alliance because, If you look at, uh, you know, I don't know tribe names, the green tribe. Ricard's tribe is split 50% female, 50% male at the moment. So there's no sort of female alliance there. The other tribe, ooh, no, ooh, uh, no, wait, uh, don't tell me, Yasa, Yasa, Yasa. Yeah, yes, yes. yes. So with Yasa, yes, right now there are three women and one man. So yes, but that... Just means that two men have gone home. It's not as though Uh there's like some like huge thing at play here. It's like it's very like you could completely eliminate gender from the conversation and just be like these two people were causing ruckus at camp or or weren't. There's a million reasons, rationales that go in. It's just there's not enough data in my mind to sort of prove that the game is being taken over by women. Um, I think that was a sort of strange assumption to go to. Also, it sort of showed Danny's lack of awareness of the moment that we're in with the show whereas he you know obviously he's entitled to feel that way and sort of to you know have a counter strategy against what he perceives to be the mores of the game but to be so explicit um in his like confessionals about like yeah let's let's like band together all the men and take down the women I was like Danny it's not not the best sort of framework to work under so explicitly
2: mm-hmm and I just think the whole thing doesn't fully make sense, because I think that they are aligned with Sydney, who is not a man. <laughs> and it also seems weird to target Erica. I mean, I realized their choice was between Nasir and Erica, two former Luvus. But it just seems weird how hard they are rallying against Erica, who is one of their six. It's like rally against her a few votes from now when you've got the numbers.
3: It's so strange. And especially to not go after Evie or Liana. I thought that was so strange. Like you have two players on an opposing tribe that are both physically strong, whose game you don't know. Because at the very least, again, the devil you know. So in the event that there is all of this sort of Fraction, or excuse me, fraction. If there is this big fracture with their tribe, I think you can wait a few votes before you really start to, like, you know, make these sort of sub alliances and whatnot. It's like in the immediate, when you have a six, four, two situation and you're in the six, go after the four. It's just Mm -hmm. science, as Gago would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So they pick Nasir. So our winning team, to reiterate, because it's hard to keep track of. Is Danny, Ricard, Sydney, Deshawn, Evie, and Nasir. So they get to go off and enjoy this merge feast, which Let's is nice to that. see them eat. Yeah, it's uh, it's more of a charcuterie board than a merge feast, uh-huh. but but they do get to go eat some food, have some beer. Uh, this is, I think, the first time we see a merge feast where only half of the contestants are participating in the feast. Uh, Do you have anything to say about the feast itself?
3: They really, really wanted to tell us how long they have gone without food, which we're on day 12. We are a little over a week and a half into the game. I have friends of mine who have done starvation diets that have lasted this long. I just don't endorse that by the way. Um, that sounds crazy. Yeah. No, I, I just feel <laughs> like the amount of times we have had to underline that this is the hardest season ever. This is the hottest location ever. Oh, also coming up, we're gonna have them calling this the most diverse cast ever, which is not Mm -hmm. true. Not, true. Not true. Not true at all. There are several casts more diverse. I just think their own effort to like superlative this season is so strange because it's one of those moments that makes, and this is a big pet peeve I have, it makes the show, it makes it for me, feel like the show is not respecting its legacy viewers and I think it's really important to respect those of us who have been. Again, I'm calling us. A those, I'm calling myself of those of us. I realize I just started, but I'm legacy in <laughs> the extent of I've done the whole. I've watched the whole game. Mm-hmm. I just think to sort of like try and erase the history of the show on the show is so strange. And so again, going back to the sort of like, oh my gosh, like uh, we haven't eaten in so long. It's like I. There are so many tribes that have gone much longer before the merge feast, having not eaten. So I just, I get it. Like, they're I, I don't doubt that they're very hungry, and I don't doubt that this was great sustenance to have, but the amount of confessionals we got of varying players talking about it was like, they're just trying, they're hitting it over the head, us over the head, so much to the point I'm concussed.
2: I did say, as a counter to that, I did find that the f- The lack of food was really highlighted in this episode because for the first time we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here but for the first time we see them get rice and I think that their reaction to getting the rice because I don't think that there's been a tribe that's gone this long without getting a food staple uh, we have seen them get some fish each of the tribes have gotten some fish um, but we haven't seen them eat any kind of a rice or a bean or anything like that, which we've seen other tribes have. So I do think that that has come out in various ways, which we will talk about. I think, uh, for example, like in the challenge, you could see that they were physically exhausted. I mean, they were dragging their oh, feet yeah. through the challenge. And that
3: was such a so, difficult challenge physically. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I do think it's come out a little bit. And so it was nice, actually, to see them get to enjoy some food for the first time. And I do like getting the commentary. I could do without the hardest season ever angle, but uh, I am appreciating that they are starving. Right, but then one other... And I'm sure that when you're starving, it's like... I am the most hungry anybody's ever Totally, been. I
3: get that. And I also think it's super disappointing. As you mentioned, this is the first time we're not having the fully merged tribe enjoy the Merge Feast. And I think it's just so, such a bummer that those other uh, six, uh, well, actually, because Erica got rice. So really the other five mm-hmm. um, are not able to enjoy a Merge Feast, which is uh, not only just a, big, like, sort of staple within the game. But in my mind, it's, like, you earned that merge feast by getting to this point in the game. And I kind of feel like Mm -hmm. they're being punished. And I just think there's a world in which it's, like, there's two merge feasts. One is rice and, you know, one's, you know, less ornate. But Well, they did
2: get rice. The losers got rice at camp.
3: Okay, I want more then. (laughs) I just feel like, I don't know. I I feel like it was uh, a bummer. But I guess you're right. They got something, so... Yeah, I also just like the, the shot of having everyone together. Oh, this yeah. is another huge thing because the other thing about the Merge Feast is you get alcohol and mm-hmm. there's something to be said about just getting 12 strangers together, enjoying a feast, drinking alcohol for the first time after 12 days. Yeah. Um, on an empty stomach. Yeah, that just sort of, like, can bring people together. Up. Yeah, and so I just think it was a bummer not to really get a full cast meeting one another moment until they came back to camp, which felt a little anticlimactic, mm-hmm. and they also went into sort of, like, like hubs of smaller groups. So um, I missed the Merge Feast as we know it, but I think I missed a lot of things as we know it,
0: as we once yeah. knew it, rather. so... <laughs>
2: So one of the things that happens at the merge feast that I want to highlight is that Danny straight up tells Evie, I think there's a women's alliance because your tribe has voted out only men, which again, it's only been two men. And Evie says something like, yeah, I I thought you'd think that. Uh, This is interesting for two reasons. One is that Danny should not be saying this to his opponent. He doesn't know Evie. Uh, so I don't think that this is a smart move to reveal what he's thinking because we know it's what he's actually thinking. He's not playing a game here. Uh, so I think that that's a mistake that could come back to haunt him. I don't know, but Evie has this information now. We know Evie's a very, very savvy player. The other thing is that they also reveal that they want Erica out, which is so this narrative doesn't make sense because uh if Danny's so concerned about the women on the other tribe, shouldn't he be targeting those women? Yeah. Either Shan, Tiffany, Liana, or Evie. So the whole thing, I think Danny opened up way too much here. Maybe it was the alcohol. I don't know. Uh, But I thought that that was a a big misplay by Danny in this moment. I
3: agree. I'm really hoping that for Deshaun's game that Deshaun can separate himself from Danny because I feel like this is a really crucial time in Deshaun's game moving forward as to whether or not he's going to play as a pair or as an individual. And I think Deshaun is in a great situation right now to potentially blindside Danny or at least start to like carve out a counter-alliance because it's so... They obviously have been playing the game together. They both have never gone to tribal, but I feel like this is a great time for someone like Deshaun to go and link up with this so-called women's alliance um, or just kind of make some big moves. I definitely, I don't want to see them moving ahead as a pair because I definitely think Danny showed his character this episode for the first time and made it clear that this is... This is a weird conversation and maybe one for another day, but they're sort of like, who do we want a, a Survivor winner to be in 2021? And I don't think Danny has meets the mark of like the kind of person we want winning the game moving forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, don't tell us how threatening it is to have women teaming up and that a man needs to get to the end because men get to the end every season. Hello. Uh, it's not that difficult for them to do. So it's just a bad read. I also thought it was funny considering, you know, one of the only pre game items of interest that have actually translated into the actual game is that if you recall on Evie's profile, when asked what their pet peeves were, they said men. <laughs> right? Yeah. So this is like kind of a funny conversation in that context. Also, so I'm. Yeah.
3: Also, not for nothing, Deshawn knows for a fact that Erica and Sydney have this beef with each other. So they even have intel to know that there's no world in which the women of his tribe would band together in any sense with the other women because the women in his own tribe are splintered. There's just enough evidence to show that, like, even if there was a women's alliance on Yassa, I know the tribe name, even if there was a women's alliance on Yassa, they would have to corral Shan, who probably has an alliance with Ricard. It's just like, there's too many moving pieces to really be that assumptive about the gameplay at this point. I feel like, had he been given intel by someone that was like, even a lie, that was like, hey, I heard that evie's plan is to build out a women's alliance after the merge and and try and get your girls from your tribe blah blah blah. then i could see him strategizing but this is all just in his head right now based off of seeing Mm -hmm. two men go home on a tribe of six
1: Mm -hmm.
2: it's exactly what jt did in heroes vs villains i've said that before yeah so, let's go over to Exile Island where Erica arrives and she finds some supplies. Uh, I thought that this was a really cute moment from Erica just sort of like narrating. Obviously, she's told like you need to speak to the camera because we need some dialogue to work with here. So, she's just talking to herself and she's saying, "Okay, rice is on the menu and
4: oh, it's water. Okay."
2: I thought that that was really funny because I think we were all expecting something to be in that yeah. urn or whatever it was, right? But it was just water. Also, so like, out of that them that to like good.
3: show us that or like include that in the edit yeah. because I think there's a lot of times yeah. that the cast is given water and we just don't know about it. So yeah, yeah, is it magical water?
2: Uh, so yeah, Erica is really in her Janu era right now Stop. over at Exile Island. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, get some backstory from her, which I really liked this backstory. So it's about how her Filipino family moved to Canada, you know, just worked hard to give her and her siblings, you know, a good life. And I thought that this was kind of refreshing because it wasn't a backstory that was like a real sob story or a really extreme sort of Uh, hardship that she's gone through it was a pretty average story and I like that amongst a cast that has such extreme backstories and don't get me wrong I like the extreme backstories but it's just refreshing to see okay Erica's a normal person with a normal life
3: I think although
2: she does say like a lot for a communications manager she does
3: I think one thing working against the narrative for me was just feeling like because we hadn't really met Erica until this episode, I think they would've gotten more bang from their buck had we, the audience, had a little bit more investment in Erica as a player Mm -hmm. to then go on this journey with her I feel like because we've seen other players in the past who we get to know them, they're ostracized from their tribe, and then they're sent off in some situation like this, and sort of like forced to grow as a as a player, but also as a human being. I just feel like this was our introduction to Erica, um, mm-hmm. and it was a great introduction to Erica. But again, it's six episodes in, and so and still, even with this being a very heavy Erica episode, I still feel like the Shan show continues. So. I enjoyed the time with Erica and I definitely feel like I now know a little bit about her, um, but I could have used that to be a little bit more spread out before this moment.
2: Yeah, I hear you. I totally agree. So let's go back to the merge camp, which doesn't have a name yet because we're not fully merged, I guess. So we see the losing team of Xander, Heather, Liana, Tiffany, and Shan return to their new camp, which Xander dubs Mergatory uh, because it's not fully merged. And they get to enjoy some rice for the first time.
4: Baruch Hashem, we're eating.
2: Iconic. <laughs> and uh, Shan asks Liana in front of Tiffany if she got the advantage that they played for on the Prisoner's Dilemma Island. This, to me, was one of those moments where the lack of food showed. I think Shan really slipped up here, and I think it was a total fuck-up that she didn't mean to do. It's either that or Liana told her at the prisoner d- Prisoner's Dilemma Island that she was really tight with Tiffany, I which is say, a possibility. I was leaning more... And so Shan may have assumed, but I think that that's a very dangerous assumption to make.
3: Yeah, okay, fair. I definitely was leaning towards that, but... Yeah, I could have. I just don't see Shannon's being like a lazy, not lazy, but I'm saying like, I don't think that something like malnutrition would, I just think she's smart enough to not let something like that mess up her gameplay. And I feel like if anything, people's um, senses were heightened in that they knew that like, you know, they're making first impressions for the first time since day one. So you kind of mm-hmm. got to be aware of like every conversation you have, every detail you're being told. Um, so I don't know, but perhaps...
2: Yeah, there was a look on Shan's face after Liana kind of like gave Tiffany a look and Tiffany asked, oh, you got it. And I think Shan realized she made a mistake, but maybe in the moment she just assumed Tiffany would know at that point. So uh, I thought it was like a uh, like one more sort of negative moment for Shan Uh in addition to the Ricard extra votes, uh, which may or may not be negative for Shan. But I feel like we're just starting to see a couple of glimmers of Shan's game, not being a plus plus plus.
3: We also got Liana really making it clear that she is not as aligned with Tiffany as we might have thought. And I feel like Liana's getting a little sloppy in her gameplay in that she clearly has it out for Xander who's on her own tribe. And now she has it out somewhat for Tiffany or made it clear that she's like not fully in it with Tiffany and then mm-hmm. not to jump ahead, but we see her kind of make some new alliances. But I think if, if I were Leona it's like you can walk and chew gum. You can have both alliances. So it's like, mm-hmm. you can have this new alliance that you just made post merge while also genuinely keeping an alliance with Tiffany until there comes a point when you have to split. But I just feel like she, we were led to believe that she actually really likes Tiffany because she saved Tiffany on several occasions. Um, and it was odd to see her be so, okay, I'm done with Tiffany. But like, what did mm-hmm. Tiffany do wrong? Like Tiffany was just, I know. she was given information that she didn't have. And she reacted in a way that was like, I think it was smart of you to not give me that information. I wouldn't have either.
2: I think it's another moment similar to Liana's uh, million dollar mistake moment where she was upset that she didn't get to have her move against Xander when they voted Voce out. And I feel like once again, she was like, I'm keeping this for myself. I've got this big power. It's going to be one of my big moves in the game. And now Tiffany knows about it. And I'm having like a little bit of a strop about it because I'm not thrilled. Right. So I think it was just like a reactionary thing that I'm hoping she gets over. Right,
3: because the other thing is the fact that Shand felt comfortable... Having that conversation in front of Tiffany means that Shan also has some sort of, not alliance necessarily with Tiffany, but some sort of trust in her to to reveal that information. Or at the very least, she was like, oh, if Liana's working with Tiffany, I will work with Tiffany too by proxy. So for then Mm -hmm. Liana to be like, oh, I'm not really going to work with Tiffany. It's like, again, I feel like it's sort of, it's just, it's full, it's like shuffling the deck in a way that I don't think it needs to be shuffled just yet.
2: Yeah. And then we see Tiffany also on the flip side of this saying, okay, wow, Liana had this advantage and she didn't tell me about it. And so maybe I'm not as close with Liana as I thought I was. And maybe I don't need to protect her as much as I was going to. And this is interesting. I don't know if anything's going to come of this. But could you imagine a scenario where Tiffany feels put out by Liana's keeping this advantage to herself and works it against liana for example going to xander and saying liana's got this advantage let me hold your idol oh my and god and then liana asks xander for the idol and he doesn't have it
3: Perhaps. you know that would be a huge move but the only thing is and again to liana's sort of like strange gameplay it would be so i mean obviously you know everyone has a different way in which they play the game to me it's like why wouldn't you go after an idol versus Xander's Mm -hmm. because at least again the devil Mm -hmm. you know it's like you know Xander you know his gameplay and they seemed like a somewhat tight four you know that seemed pretty genuine so yes to your point that would be genius if that does happen on Tiffany's part I still think that Liana should go for Nasir's idol
2: yeah I agree with you and I think that it's unlikely that Tiffany and Liana are going to split anytime soon. Yeah. I would be very, very surprised. I feel like they're leading us down a road to lead us astray but a little bit. to
3: your, like, sort of conjecture, like, if someone were to loan their idol to someone else for a vote and in, because they were aware of Liana's attempt to steal that would be epic. One note I did mm-hmm. want to make about the vote steal, um, because, you know, I think both you and I listened to Rob has a podcast, and I was listening to Stephen Fishback on um, Survivor Know-It-All's last week, and he had a huge issue with this vote steal. And the more he argued his case, the more I became convinced that he was correct, which is that
5: mm-hmm.
3: having the vote steal, having there be something in which you cannot lie— just fundamentally goes against the show's premise entirely, which is outwit, outlast, outplay. And so the idea is that, like, you should always have the option to lie because that is part of your strategy. And if you lie, and prob- you either get caught or it comes out later in the final tribal, there will be consequences for your lying even if it advances you in the immediate. That's just part of gameplay. So for there to be a rule that comes in in season 41 that says you must do this, there is nothing you can do to maneuver your way out of this, is yeah i think it's a i think it's cracking open the game in in a in a way that it shouldn't and i so i just want to uh co-sign steven there it was really i i totally agree that should this advantage if you will i do not think is fair
2: yeah and it's it's not only a vote steal right it's a vote or idol right and this is an unprecedented power isn't it also this is an
3: advantage steal too right
2: I think it's, yeah, I think it's any advantage or idol. Yeah, I think you you said vote by accident. Because you were saying it's a steal a vote.
3: Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry. (laughs)
2: That's okay. There's a lot going on. Okay, wait. My Uh,
3: bad. Yes. Okay, so you can steal an advantage or an idol. This is so typical of me, though. Sorry, real quick. But it's just like, I will be like, you did this wrong. And it's like, well, no, I did it wrong because you did it wrong first. Okay. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Go ahead.
2: Uh, So it's like, this is, I think, the most powerful, maybe, except for the uh whatever they call it, the super idol idol or the old idol that could be played after reading the votes i think that's the most powerful thing they've ever had and then this is the next one where you can just take at will what you know somebody else has right
3: because there is a
2: way around it if people find out and they're able to hide their idol but really like the likelihood of that happening is pretty slim i think
3: right And just the idea that it's like, not only are you stripping someone of their biggest power in the game, you are then gaining that power. Mm. So it's like, it's almost like a double advantage in so many senses. Yeah. It's like a nullifier where you get the idol. Right. And then you could then, you could argue, well, suddenly you have an idol, but everyone knows you have it. But it's like. You can give it to your a lot. I mean, there's that's having people know you have an idol when the numbers get smaller is not necessarily a disadvantage. Sometimes it can make people want to play with you more because they can use you as a shield. I mean, there's lots of, uh, yeah, all this to say she has a tremendous amount of power with this advantage, uh, as you mentioned, more than just about any advantage we've ever seen before.
2: Mm-hmm. So the red buffers, as Xander calls them, come back to camp. And Nasir tells Xander that he's got his back because they're both idol holders. So this implication that they should stick together, I'm curious where they land on Shan as an idol holder because we didn't see that. We actually didn't get a whole lot of Shan interacting with people uh, on the Merge tribe, which was interesting to me because up until this point, as we've said, it's been the Shan show. So it's a little tricky to figure out what all the Luvus uh, think of her and what all the Yasas think of her outside of Liana. Uh, but that aside, Danny and Sydney are still telling people that Erica needs to go home. And again, I just have to say, why, why? This is such a bad move. Like they are so, we, we said before, they were so eager to play when they were trying to throw their immunity challenge just to get Erica out. Like, what did Erica do? She didn't do that much. She just speculated that maybe they should vote Sydney out, which is not a crazy no, idea. No,
3: that's how you play it's the It's not game. like
2: she's causing havoc around camp or like pitting people against each other. She just threw a name out. And so when you have... Six other people you could target. Why target one of your own? Also,
3: she hasn't had the opportunity to socialize with anybody on the opposing tribes. So wouldn't you all the more want to go after specifically people on yasa that have the other majority alliance that have been present and been had the opportunity to ingratiate themselves with other players in the game even people on mm-hmm. your tribe potentially it's like there's mm-hmm. just and also erica's not a physical threat there's just so many aspects that make this decision and also just like the the fact that everyone seems so sure about it which i get on the one side the opposing tribes are just like happy to not have their names out there but the fact that everyone was like yes definitely erica and no one was like wait a minute this is a prime opportunity to make a bigger move maybe that is happening and it, or maybe it's too early because we don't know who's gonna get immunity i'm not sure but i just was very surprised that it seems so unanimously erica
2: yeah so one other thing that happens here is we see another sort of subdivision in the tribe when we get this alliance form uh, between the four black players left in the game, Liana, Shan, Deshawn, and Danny. Uh, so we see that uh, Shan is talking with Deshawn and they're saying, wouldn't it be great if we all worked together and looked out for each other? Shan says she wants them to be on the front page saying, look what they did. So I don't know if Jeff's idea about the Survivor newspaper has uh, sprouted and is, is growing wings or something, but it's uh, Shan's you know, planning the headline. And we get Liana talking about how, you know, when you're the only person in a room who looks like you, uh, that can be, you know, very othering and you can feel very lonely. And so she would like to see them lift each other up. This is really interesting to me because, one, um, this is there's obviously a Big Brother parallel to The Cookout, but this was filmed in advance of Big Brother. So this is like a testament to what diversity casting can do on seasons of reality tv where you're able to play with people who look like you and uh, not be immediately put on the outs by the majority of other people
3: but 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 the irony of ironies is they are going after a woman of color Mm. so i just couldn't help but think they are in a unique position in that, yes, they can look around and see four or three other black players, four total uh, it, within this tribe. But for someone like Erica or for someone like Ricard, uh, they are lone wolf people of color that cannot look around and see someone else that looks like them in the game. I thought it was a very odd that they would not admit the fact that if they're going to do an all-black alliance that they would be targeting and she used the word people of color she did not say black i remember liana specifically and it's like well look who you're targeting right now and look at all the white players you're leaving in the game i just thought that was a very telling moment about the fact that yes amplified diversity is great but there are still going to be marginalized communities within amplified diversity that you're that's why i think as problematic as it is cook islands did something interesting in allowing everyone that was there to look around and see people that looked like them whereas this season yes it's uh it's not a majority white cast actually right it's a majority no, poc cast not. but there but yeah. in terms of you know minorities there's the most white people and then black people and so i still think that the fact that the black people are targeting and uh, erica's is she filipino yeah yeah yeah, so I just think that optically, I think it's a conversation worth having. I don't think we're the ones to have it, but I do think it's an interesting aspect of the game to talk about moving forward, which is that, like, what are the nuances of diversity casting that the show can perhaps be mindful of moving forward?
2: The other thing is, I don't think we got the full story here. They're certainly hinting at this uh, at this alliance. We haven't seen them go to tribal, so we don't know whether they will vote together or not. I think uh, it's interesting to see Danny and Deshaun in here from the Luvu tribe because presumably the Lu- Luvu tribe would be the target of uh, the collective Yasa and Ua tribes. Um, and so if Danny and Deshaun are able to leverage this alliance to sort of save themselves from that target, that would be really interesting to see. But we don't actually know how this is going to play out. I also suspect because Shan is in this alliance, I presume Ricard would be pulled in as a fifth because they will need that number. And I think uh, who better than Ricard to work with them uh, because of uh, his proximity to Shan. So I'm really, really curious to see whether this plays out uh, the way that they're uh, pitching that it will. I also want to say that... I think we got a confessional from Shan saying that this is the most diverse cast ever, and we've never seen anything like this. That is not true. Uh, uh, The most diverse cast ever was Survivor Fiji, where actually there were, uh, uh, it was intended to be the same uh, division as Cook Islands, but at the last minute, a white woman uh, dropped out of the game before filming and so there was actually only three I can't remember her name
3: yeah I I just I only know because on historians they would like say her name a ton anyway but yes yes the most diverse Uh, season is Fiji
2: so that was the most diverse season and then we had uh, an actual alliance uh, of POC that Earl put together I think it was called the syndicate alliance or something Uh, and and more or less they went to the end together we had an all-black final three and of course earl won that season so you know i just want to put it out there that i think that survivor should not be leaning into this like this is the most diverse cast they should be patting themselves on the back for what they've done before i mean that was so long ago right yeah that was season 14 Yes. And and that was able to happen, and it was amazing that that happened. Unfortunately, after the fact, Jeff went on and on about how it was the least his least favorite season ever, and like he doesn't like Earl as a winner. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But And also, not know,
3: for nothing, too, you have seasons later on. Like I'm watching um Island of the Idols right now, which is an incredibly diverse cast. I mean, I just think that yes, we, we uh it's wonderful that the show's making an effort to amplify its diversity, but surprisingly the show has it's not that it's been good it's that especially in comparing it to big brother which again is has just had its first black winner ever and has only had one poc winner before then i just think survivor uh to your point it's like there's a I don't i it can give itself a little bit more credit by way of the fact that like these are not um we're not 41 seasons in and seeing firsts and the fact mm-hmm. that they are Kind of underlining that is strange to me when that's not the case. Also, I just want to mention Melissa McNulty. That is the name of the mm. Survivor Fiji player that dropped out of the game.
2: May she rest in peace. Um,
3: I do want to just speculate though, real quick. I can't now that we're talking about this Black Alliance. I'm. I might eat crow on this, but I think Danny is going home next week. Really? Yes. And the reason I think that is because obviously I think that Erica is going to... Oh, I Actually, you know what? Let's pause because we haven't explained everything.
2: Sure, yet. sure. I, I just want to say one more thing because uh, there's going to be a lot of parallels with this alliance to the cookout on Big Brother, which I did not watch, but I followed more or less on social media. And I just want to put it out there that if they are going to the end together i really hope it's not exactly like the cookout because the cookout eliminated the women and the men went to the end and that's not what i want i think we've got a really great opportunity here to get our second ever black female winner in liana or shan both of whom i would love to see win this game so i'm just you know putting that out into the universe and hopefully if if this alliance is actually going to work together uh, I would like to see that as the result instead of a Danny or Deshaun win.
3: I agree. If we can't get a Heather win, then... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but I, I totally agree.
2: Yeah. Okay, so let's go over to Exile Island then and talk about the uh, next twist in this episode full of twists. Jeff is making house calls on Exile Island Can we talk about the
3: size of the boat that he entered on?
2: He is on a private yacht.
3: Aye, aye, aye.
2: Yeah. Well, it's hot. He needed some air conditioning.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's so hot. Uh,
2: He tells Erica that she's got a choice. She can leave the game as it is, or she can go back in time and change history, and she has the power to reverse the results of the merge challenge. So... If she chooses to smash an hourglass, the six red buffers will no longer be safe. And the losers, Xander, Shan, Tiffany, Liana, Heather, and Erica will become safe. So this is Erica's sliding doors moment where she's sort of deciding her fate in the game. However, this is a no brainer. Like, the only way this twist works, which, by the way, I I just hate the concept, as I said before, that you can win something on Survivor, be told you're safe. I mean, I don't know if Jeff said that you're guaranteed safety at the next Tribal Council. I don't think he did, but he said you'll be safe at the next Tribal Council. To be able to just reverse that and have that no longer be true, I think is completely potentially breaking the game because the whole point is to win like you want to go into challenges to win you want to win immunity when you gain immunity it's guaranteed unless it's a hidden immunity idol which you have to risk so to to strip that away from the game i think is fundamentally wrong um but then to also include erica on this to say well you're not safe if you don't smash it and you are safe if you smash it, you've made her mind up for her.
3: Especially because of the fact that she would easily be targeted because of the fact that she would be one of two people on that side of things that in theory has a majority alliance. So of course the other four are going to target either her or Heather.
2: Yes and we don't know we don't know what erica thinks about what her tribe thinks about her of course they're throwing her name out around camp
3: right it would be important all the only know-
2: indication we get the only indication we get from her is that oh these are my tribe mates and they'll be mad at me if i smash the hourglass
3: but this is what's i agree with you she's going to obviously do it i also just the way that Jeff was presenting it Mm -hmm. um, was in a way that was like, we being like production want you to do this because Mm -hmm. it's funny that Survivor does this sometimes. They did this a lot um, on Edge of, not Edge of Extinction, on Island of Idols. No, not on Island of Idols, on Ghost Island. Um, where it would be like, here are these two options that are presented. And it's like, well, production obviously always wants you to do the thing because to not do the thing just narratively is less exciting. Also, Mm -hmm. people at home are always, non-players of the game are always going to be of the mindset of like, do the thing, more often than not, because it's just exciting to watch. So he was definitely encouraging it. The question becomes, even though part of me thinks it's Danny because I just think that they're going to take out a powerful player in that moment. If it's not Danny though, and it it probably isn't Danny. uh, It's Evie. Evie's going home.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think that it's tricky because I think nobody's talking about Ricard when we're talking about who might go home, but I think Ricard is very unsafe here. Uh, He is one of the two UAs he has no advantages, as we saw. They have been building up this story for a couple episodes about how he wished he had an advantage because he feels unsafe.
3: But is there a world in which Shan gives it over?
2: I doubt it. I can't see Shan. I mean, we saw <laughs> we saw how Shan feels about giving up advantages. I'd be Who surprised.
3: Has, yeah. Who has extra votes right now?
2: Oh, God. Deshawn no- has an extra vote. Xander has an extra vote. Shan has an extra vote
3: so nothing that would nothing that would impact this next vote presumably Deshaun's not i think
2: vote. it would be bizarre to play your extra vote with 12 people voting it's just like yeah. two up in the air yeah uh, i could see idols getting played though potentially right um so uh, anyways it's just i don't know i th- i think you're right i think evie and ricard are both at risk we've also been getting quite a not quite a bit but enough sydney to make me think that she could be in peril, but I sort of doubt it.
3: Yeah. Also though, the reason why I don't think it would be Ricard would be a, you'd want to take out, you want to go for the, someone on the bigger Alliance than the smaller one. And also if the, if uh, Deshaun and Danny have this kind of final four with, um, Shan, I don't think that they would take this opportunity to take out her number one person, because I think Who they would
2: need for a number, yeah. Yeah,
3: I just think it shows a disloyalty to Shan to be like, I only had one other person in the game, you guys have this whole tribe, and you're going to take out my one person?
2: Unless Shan uses this as her opportunity to flip on Ricard.
3: I just don't see that being advantageous to her at this juncture.
2: Maybe. Depends, I think, on what kind of relationship she forms with Liana's allies on Yassa. You know, if she if she feels comfortable with Tiffany and Evie, then maybe yeah. it's flip on Ricard at this point. Hard to say. It's hard to say. But basically Erica is given this choice that is not a choice. Of course you smash the hourglass because you gain immunity. Why would you not take that?
3: Why is it uh, an hourglass?
2: no idea and so that's the other thing she so she doesn't have to work to find this advantage apparently in the hardest season of survivor where you have to work to get everything jeff delivers it to her doorstep on a yacht and and jeff delivers it so jeff is saying this is not finding something and going oh i have a decision to make it's jeff saying you should make this decision with fire in his eyes Mm -hmm. that's like you better make the decision because this is isn't this going to be fun so there's that weighing into it, and then that that she'll get guaranteed safety. Like, well, of course you're going to do it. Yeah. So it... the little girl from Canada gets to make a big decision. The, I think this is the first mention of Canada ever on the show, just putting that out there. Uh, yes. And, of course, Erica is saying she's the little girl from Canada. We're getting her story about being from Canada. I don't think she knows that Shan is from Canada because they've never interacted. I think Ricard is probably the only person, maybe Liana, Uh, who knows that Shan is Canadian. So that's an interesting dynamic. I wonder if uh, Shan and Erica finding out that they're both Canadian could uh, bond them in some type of way.
3: Good old Canadian alliance.
2: Anyways, we get this great shot of Erica contemplating the uh, little sledgehammer that Jeff gave her. It's a very misery moment. It's great for Halloween. Halloween episode here of Survivor. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... That's that. Do you have anything more to say about the twist? We have some voicemails that go into it a little bit.
3: Yeah, we can cut to those. I just think, you know, you mentioned this up top, but the idea that we are in the 41st season of the show and for the first time not having a tribal council and not having this be a two part episode, um, it's just strange. It's very, very strange.
2: Yeah. No. Okay. So here is a voice memo from George
4: hey guys my name is george love the podcast after listening to your episode last week and thinking about what the thing that has never happened was i thought it would have been really interesting if shan and ricard each got to choose one member from Luvu to join their tribe and then they all kept competing as tribes of four even picking from either tribe would have been really fun but you know that would like complicate how the other tribes were divided up I don't think anything like that has ever happened on Survivor before, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Either way, I was not into this whole twist of this episode until the end when Erica got her advantage. I hope she uses it and takes control of the game. I love Erica. Love you guys, too.
3: Interesting. So they got to choose two people from LuVu. The only thing that would make that... That's interesting. It would be challenging in that would the two LuVu depending on who it was really, I guess, could just stay LuVu strong in theory. Or, they, or yeah. they, if you pick the two people on But it's like, who really is on the bottom of LuVu? Yeah. And if you put, let's say you put the two people that are in theory in bottom, which would be Heather and Erica. I mean, no disrespect to them, but I don't think they're going to be really helpful in the challenges for um, Ua. So then I just think you would end up with Ua back at tribal. Yeah. But interesting uh, I, thought. I, I,
2: I do like the idea because, as I was saying last week, I really thought that there would be a delayed merge this season, uh, which is not the case as it's turning out. Um, But Mm, I would have liked to have seen. mm,
3: I it is delayed,
2: but they're all voting next. Right, but like tribal.
3: I don't know. I you know I keep coming back to what you said, which was that you read that interview with Jeff and he said the whole thing about small tribes. I wouldn't be surprised if we went back to tribes at some point. Honestly, just because they seem to be all about just. Changing it up, changing it up.
2: Yeah, it's true. I mean, we do have half of that tribe without a buff, so we don't know What's that, that voting is going to give them a buff. Right. Maybe they'll continue to play this uh, this version of the game where uh, you know five or so people are immune at tribal council for another couple rounds. Maybe, but I mean, I hate that, but. <laughs> Okay, uh, let me see here. Okay, here's one about The Advantage uh, from somebody on Instagram named Paths Will Cross.
4: I am just mourning the death of this show that I loved so much. I don't know what that twist is, but it's not Survivor. I I don't know why you you would try to win challenges if everything's just going to come down to chance and luck and twists. I just, I, I, just, I, wanted to be on the show for so long. I've applied numerous times and I just, I, the season just made me lose all interest because it's just it's just not the game that that we all fell in love with over 40 seasons and it's really sad and and disappointing uh but uh curious to to hear tomorrow how it went over for the two of you uh have a good night
3: thank you so much for these voicemails um in the future can we get names and where you're from just because it's fun i like i like Yeah, like, I want to feel like I'm engaging with you, but I so appreciate that we're getting these voicemails. It's so delightful. I'm with you. I'm with you. I am choosing with uh, a great amount of restraint to not be a hater um, and to, you know, I was engaged throughout this episode. I got to see more of a lot of the women that I love on this show, like Liana, like Tiffany, um learned more about erica there were some sweet spots but to your point it's not the same show anymore and so i guess the question becomes for us as the viewer do you have two options right you accept that and continue watching with a new lens or you say fuck it and you are done obviously we're going with choice a but yeah i mean i think there are many iterations of survivor which we will be getting into more on our sort of other episodes of the podcast that aren't recaps, but this is very clearly um, yet another distinct turning point in the show. That is without question. Um, I will say from looking at the Twitter response last night, it seemed unanimously not into all of what went on last night. I don't know if you looked on or if you saw anything Mm -hmm. different, but it just seemed like people were extremely not here for, I was going to say the twists, but the twists plural because there's Mm -hmm. so, there's like twists on top of twists.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It comes back to this idea that I said, you know, it's you can't tell us how they have to earn everything in the game. And then when they do earn it, it just gets taken away like willy nilly. Uh, I think that the the other sentiment I've seen and I share is that I appreciate that Erica's given this advantage. You know, if it was like a man out there on Exile, I think I'd be a lot more frustrated. I do like Erica uh, being a little bit more comfortable. But at the same time, I don't know Erica that well because her edit hasn't uh, really surfaced yet. And so I'm just like... As much as I like Eric, I'm not sure that that's like a redeeming enough quality for me to actually enjoy this twist or buy into it. I just think fundamentally, when it comes to Survivor, you win and you lose. And that is no longer the case. Not at all. I don't even mind the uh, half the people at Tribal are immune and half are not but they're all voting i don't mind that once in a while that's something they do on australian survivor it's like quite jarring compared to what we've seen before but at least they're voting at least some people are vulnerable to the vote like at least that's something um but this idea of winning and then having the win taken away from you i think is just kind of fucked up aligned okay we've got two more voice memos. wow i know uh, they're a little longer, so I'll play the long one
0: first
5: Okay, hi Sean, hi Evan, my name is Tan I relate a lot to Evan in that I only started watching Survivor recently um, My husband watched it growing up like Sean And so we started watching it like together last year during the pandemic um, He was watching an episode of Winners at War and I was like, what is this? And then, by the time Winners at War was over, we had watched most of the show. So, just a little backstory—not that you asked. Um, I just finished the episode, and I just wanted to give you a few quick thoughts. Um, let's get into it. So, the main thing um was about the challenge, and really Jeff's narration of the challenge and how he just conducted himself and sort of narrated what the players were doing that might have gotten a bit redundant at the end I should have edited but anyways um you know I know that I think y'all had brought this up before with um Heather kind of having like was it a serene moment or not and I definitely agreed with that there but I think more broadly just speaking about how Jeff's like really his tone and energy has shifted when he talks about challenges where it's not so much of roasting the players, um, or even getting down on them. It's like has been very positive, very uplifting, very encouraging. It's like a Christian radio station, and I actually really enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy some of the roast before. Um, It could be really funny, especially if it was a player who maybe isn't portrayed in a great way or you don't like. But there were times where it definitely felt felt very counterintuitive to me. You know, I guess I think that Survivor is successful when you're really rooting for multiple players um when you can really get invested in their not only like their resume building but their character development throughout this season and so when you are also rooting for them in the challenges and then you have Jeff Probst who might be roasting them or saying something negative about them it it just felt very conflicting because I I don't want to feel some type of way about Jeff nor the players um You know, again, it worked if it was a villain, but if it was someone who I cared about, I felt like I was getting defensive about them, and I was like, why? I mean, what is this? So anyways, I really like that it's just very positive, and that he's, it feels like he's rooting for the players along with us. It can get a bit dramatic, a little bit. Again, I need to edit, he needs to edit, we're the same. Um, But overall, I just liked how positive it was. I wrote down that that bit was like Ted very Ted Lasso very channeling our inner Ted Lasso if you will um but otherwise yeah I mean Erica's whole like side plot going on with the island and all of that I just kept asking myself what y'all have talked about which is this fun is this fun and the fact that they had to drag it into two parts I didn't like I didn't feel like it was a very strong ending I didn't realize the episode was over and then I look back and I'm like what that's it it just felt very clipped Um, but yeah, anyways, I love the podcast. I really look forward to it so much. I think the recaps are great. Please don't stop doing those. I also love the interviews. They're amazing. Everything is so funny. I can't wait for the crush episode and, um, please host like an Instagram story bracket where people have to vote. So you have like a general friends crush. That would be so fun. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Love y'all.
2: That's a great idea. I think we found our third co-host. Yeah,
3: honestly. (laughs) I like the self-awareness too, because I too am long-winded. So I just wanted to, one thing that I, yes, I agree with a lot of what you said. The Ted Lasso comparison is very funny. I think one thing overall that's distinctly interesting about this season in comparing it to others is the lack of villains. So I think in addition to you pointing out the fact that Jeff is clearly going for a more positive energy and output. Additionally, we're not getting that same not even I mean, obviously I know like Russell is like the archetype of like the villain, but there have been like more like minor villains over the seasons, and I don't even think we have that this season. I think Danny's edit this episode was the first time we even saw someone that was like a little bit like veering into like villainous, but even then it's like Danny's been not at the level of villains, So I think it's interesting in addition to Jeff's positivity, sort of the casting switch up to having players that are more um, easy to fall in love with.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I And I like that people are watching this with the with the view of, is was that fun? Is this fun or not? Because mm-hmm. I think Jeff has shot himself in the foot sharing this story, honestly, because uh, you have to know that if you're telling people that we... Put everything through the filter of is this fun or not, and then it got on the show. Well, you're asking for it because oh, well, that was not fun. That was not fun, and I also want to echo the sentiment that the episode felt really clipped. It uh, it's clearly a two-hour episode that they did not have a two-hour time slot for, and it's, it's kind of confusing. And I think points to, once again, the complexity of these twists that we need to spend an entire hour to get through them, just to slog through them, just so we can have a normal episode after. Uh, It seems to me the show is broken at that point. We've got one more.
1: Hey, Sean and Evan. So I have a couple thoughts from this episode. Uh, The first being a little trivial, but I thought it was so weird when, during the challenge, when Liana and Tiffany were trying to pull up Heather... And Jeff says, uh, this is one of the most impressive displays oh of teamwork in the show's history. I, <laughs> I literally said out loud, no, it's not. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird that they didn't give that more of a big, compelling edit. Like, they used the slow motion for Danny, like, shoveling sand. Um, so I feel like that was a really strange and unearned edit for those wonderful, wonderful uh, women on the losing yellow tribe. My other thought was that it just seems like such a stupid decision for the Luvu guys to send Erica to exile, just because there's obviously some sort of huge advantage she was going to get there. And like she was so much more likely to flip than Nasir would be. Um, I feel like they really could have just kept Erica, and she would have been so much more loyal to them she would have felt really indebted to them. And Nasir would have just been excited to have an advantage and to like get to do something fun and would come back and be very happy-go-lucky and share that with his tribe. Uh, so I feel like this weird fixation on voting out women is really going to screw over the Luvu guys. And I kind of feel like they they deserve it. Because um, it's, it's pretty fucked up. Oh my god, my other big takeaway from this episode was that it was just such a bad episode for shan i mean last episode we kind of saw her like unnecessarily torpedo uh like her alliance with ricard and we kept seeing the fallout from that this episode and i really don't see them working together for much longer especially now that shan is in with this new alliance um but also she just like totally screwed with liana's game and had that totally unnecessary blunder of asking Liana about her advantage right in front of Tiffany. Um, it just felt very amateur hour from Shan. So I was disappointed to see, I guess, the plunging quality of her game in this episode.
3: Um, Definitely agree about that Heather moment. And again, the superlative thing that keeps happening. And that was another example of, I think, Jeff just being really patronizing because it's like, yes, it was a great moment of teamwork. To call it the best ever, it's like kind of like, We all just saw what you just saw, too. So, like, Mm. let's, you know, call a spade a spade here. Um, But yeah, I I definitely agree that um, it wasn't the best episode for Shan. I will say one thing that your voice memo made me think about in making this comparison to the cookout on Big Brother was that one aspect of the cookout that was interesting in having this sort of alliance of the six black players going to the end was that some of them, the weaker of those six players, at some point had to acknowledge the fact, I think, that they were not going to win the game by using this strategy. And so it's interesting to think about, especially with someone as strategically minded as Shan, is if she's going to work with Liana and Danny and Deshaun moving forward, is there a point at which she recognizes that someone like Heather, for instance, is probably far less likely to win the game and it's actually mm. advantageous for her individual game to not go to the Final Four with this all-black alliance? Or, in her mind, is it such that it doesn't matter to her, because the difference here is Big Brother had higher stakes in having never had a black winner. They wanted to make this history together, one of the six of them. Survivor has had four black winners in its past seasons, not to mention multiple POC winners. So I think it's interesting to think about how this alliance moves moves forward in terms of loyalty.
2: yeah. Uh, one thing that I thought of the that the, this voicemail, pointed out for me was the choice to send Erica to exile over Nasir. That is actually a very old school way of playing this game because actually what typically happens is somebody sacrifices themselves to go to exile or whatever the the twist place may be because they know that there's going to be an advantage there so they're going to take one for the team miss out on the camp life miss out on the strategizing in order to secure whatever advantage may be on exile so it seemed like a pretty rookie move actually to send erica and that's obviously going to pan out next week if she smashes the hourglass when she smashes the hourglass when Okay, we've gone on long yet again, Uh, so maybe we should wrap it up here. (laughs) But thank you so much for your voice memos. I love getting them. We're going to get to a point where I'm not going to be able to play all of them on the show. But we'll do a
3: voice memo, like we'll do an episode, a mailbag episode. So to that vein, feel free to leave us voice memos that are not necessarily about season 41 and more about who your hottest players are, like, get in the get in the weeds with us. Also, real quick, want to plug, we have some very exciting alumni interviews coming up. I am going to tease that, like, there might be a winner in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. And just, uh, we are super, duper excited. And um, we have something that's very important in the Survivor-verse, and I'll leave it at that. We're just really yes. excited about the interviews coming up.
2: Very, very excited. So make sure you're subscribed. Keep sending those voice memos, even if they don't make it to the show, which they probably will. Even if they don't, I love getting them so much. They really fill our hearts with joy. We love to hear that there are people at the other end of this, and we're not just speaking into the void. So keep them coming. Uh, uh, Subscribe. Don't miss, you know, our past interviews, our future interviews, and
3: oh I was gonna say review us please we have one review right oh yeah now. we could we'd, we'd no, love we, have multiple, oh, we, we do? have
2: multiple reviews oh okay we have multiple sorry my bad. I don't know if they show up everywhere but there's like a website you can see reviews from Feel free,
3: feel free if you feel so inclined
2: yeah uh, we love to get feedback on the podcast what do you love what do you hate just be nice <laughs> yeah. especially review if you love uh, we, we love to see that and tell your friends about us if they're watching Survivor 2 okay we are going to wrap it up
4: we're eating <laughs>